I've been up since five this morning. I've been praying and praying for you guys and praying for our nation. And, and I was like, okay, God, what, what do you want me to share today? And I want to, I want to take just a minute because, uh, today is the Memorial Day weekend. Some of you that are off work tomorrow, um, Memorial Day is an American holiday that's observed on what the, the, the last Monday of May each month. And it really honors the men and women who have served and given their lives to this country. And a lot of times when I reflected on that, I, I, there's, I get mixed emotions because I am so honored. I want to, uh, those that have died and that have gone on to, I hope to pray and hope and be with the Lord. Um, but they served our country. They died for something that was important to them. So that's what Memorial Day is about when we look at that. So Saturday morning, yesterday morning, we were here for prayer and, and I was looking around and I, I, I looked at the flags on the, on the walls. You guys look around and you see the flags of the nations on the walls. And, and I thought, you know what? Tomorrow, I'm going to preach about that. I'm going to preach about the nations, and I'm going to preach about those flags, and I'm going to use Psalms chapter 2, verse 8, and it says, Ask of me, and surely I will give you the, the nations for your inheritance. And I thought I would preach about uh, those nations that we are enduring Memorial Day are really honoring because there are many men and women that fought for not only freedom for this country, but freedom for their own countries. And then I thought, no, I'm not going to preach on that. And then I looked around a little bit and I and I thought, well, I saw the sword. I saw the sword up here and I thought, I'm going to preach on the sword. I'm going to preach on the Word of God. And, and I thought, well, I'm going to preach about Hebrews 4.12 where it says the Word of God is what? The Word of God is alive and it's, and it's active and it's where Living Word Fellowship got our name from. It's, uh, it's, it's alive and it's active and it's sharper than any any two-edged sword, and I looked at that two-edged sword, and I said, I think I'm going to preach on that, and I'm going to talk about how powerful the Word of God is, and how the Word of God will shape and change and mold you, and it will divide things in your life. It'll divide spirit and soul, those things that we, we aren't sure whether we know it's spiritually or if it's soulish nature. The Word of God will divide that, and then I thought, no, I'm not going to preach on that. And then and, you know, we were praying, and, and then I looked over, and I saw the door. See the door behind the, our little door? And I, I saw the door, and I thought, well, man, I need to preach on the door. I, Jesus is the door. And I thought about Psalms, um, Psalms no, John 10, 9, where he talks about that, that he is the door. Jesus said, I am the door. And he goes on, and he says, if anyone, what, enters through me. He will be able to come in and, and he will be saved and he'll be able to go in and out. And I thought, I'll bring the door up and I'll preach on the door and we'll talk about the door and Jesus being the door and coming in and out. And then I thought, no, I'm not going to preach on that. <laughs> you guys are all going, what are you going to preach on? Well, I don't know. I, I saw the instruments and I thought, I saw the trumpet, and Debbie had her trumpet today, and I thaw, saw the instruments, and I, I began to start thinking about Psalms 150, where it talked about begin to praise him with the instruments and the, and the, the lyre and the, the stringed instruments and the trumpet. 
And I thought, man, I'm going to preach about praise and how wonderful it is and how we should give praise to God in all situations and circumstances. And then guess what? I thought, no, I'm not going to preach on that. (laughs) I can probably go home now. We've probably preached on a lot of different things. And then I thought about the lights. Look at the lights. And I thought about the lights and how wonderful the lights are. And then I thought about it where John, in John where Jesus was the light. You know what I mean? And I thought, man, with, without the light, the light sheds, sheds uh, light on darkness. And, and God shed light in the middle of my heart that was dark. And I, I thought I can begin to preach on that. And I can talk a little bit about the lights. And, and Jesus talked about being the light and following after the light. And that he's the light of life. And then I thought, no, I'm not going to preach on that today. <laughs> but I am going to, I'm going to preach on this. So turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11, because I want to, I, I began to start thinking about, uh, not only is this the faith chapter, but it is also um, those that have gone on before us. If we took Memorial Day and we said, let's honor those that have fallen, those heroes that have fallen, and I thought, what better way for us to honor the biblical heroes that have fallen? And when you get into Hebrews chapter 11, and we're going to read through this, and, and we're going to just take a look at some of these because, because they did things by faith. How many of you know they're in, the, in our nation as we look at Memorial Day, there were godly men and women that gave their lives by faith. They had faith not only in God, but they had faith in this country. And then there may be some that may not have had a biblical faith in Jesus, but had faith in the United States of America. But listen, had faith in the freedom, Lon. They had faith in the freedom that we are able to afford today and look at. So Hebrews chapter 11, I could just, let's just start it. No, let's just start at 34, no 21, no 6. Let's just start at the beginning of the chapter. How about that? That's, you know, so, but yes, yes, I am going to preach on this today. So those other things were really good, you know, and, and we'll preach on them some other time. And, and that'll be wonderful and, and we'll enjoy that. But I do want to preach about Hebrews chapter 11 and look at this faith. So if you're, if you're with me, you can just, you can just follow along with me. If I'm reading out of the New American Standard updated version. Um, so I'm just going to be reading through this. And if you will just follow along with me, it says, um, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it men of old gained approval. By faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God. There's the wonderful word of God that we were going to preach on earlier. So that what is seen was not made out of the things which are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained the testimony that he was righteous. God testifying about his gifts, and through faith, though he is dead, still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up that the world would not see death, so that he would not see death, excuse me. And he was not found because God took him up. For he obtained the witness that before his being taken up, he was pleasing to God. These are heroes that 
we're talking about in the Old Testament. In verse 6, it says, Without faith, it's impossible to please God or please Him, for he comes to God, must believe that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. Verse 7, By faith, Noah warned by God about things not yet seen. In reverence, prepared an ark for the salvation of his household, by which he condemned the world, and became an heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. I think about these heroes, and I look at Abraham in verse 8, and he says, By faith Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place he was to receive for an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he lived as an alien in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of that same promise. For he was looking at this for the city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. Oh, man, there is something in the spirit on that right now. I could just begin to feel the weightiness. He was looking, and aren't we doing the same thing? He's looking for a city which has the foundations whose architect and builder is God. That wasn't just the men, but the women. By faith, even Sarah herself received the ability to conceive even beyond the proper time of life since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, there was born even of one man and him as good as dead. He's talking about Abraham, and that is many descendants as the stars and the heavens in number and innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. All these died in faith without receiving the promises. Listen, but having seen them and having welcomed them from a distance and having confessed that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For those who say such things make it clear that they are seeking a country of their own. And indeed, if they had been thinking of that country from which they went out, they would have an opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. You know, we sang a song that said God is for you, not against you. You know, you, you may be ashamed of some things that you've done. I'm ashamed of some of the things that I've done in my life. But God's not ashamed of me. Oh, that's some good news today. Verse 17, as we're talking about the heroes of faith or the heroes of the Bible, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, who had received the promise, was offering up his only begotten son. Sound familiar? It's a type and shadow of Jesus in the New Testament. It was he whom it was said, in Isaac your descendants shall be called. Verse 19, he considered that God was able to raise people even from the dead, from which he also received him back as a type. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau, even regarding things to come. By faith, Jacob, as he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph's and worshipped, leaning on the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the exodus of the sons of Israel and gave orders concerning his bones. He said, look, when you guys leave, take my bones with you. 
And they did. The Israelites did that. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because he saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to endure ill treatment with people of God than, excuse me, with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Considering the reproach of Christ greater riches than treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is unseen. By faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of the blood, so that he who destroyed the firstborn would not touch them. By faith, they passed through the Red Sea as though they were passing through on dry land. And the Egyptians, when they attempted it, were drowned. (laughs) I love that part. I really do. I'm sorry, Egyptians, but I love that part. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven years. Excuse me, seven days. By faith, Rahab the harlot did not perish along with those who were disobedient after she had welcomed the spies in peace. In verse 32, what more shall I say? For the time will fail me. And he goes on and he talks about Gideon. And I thought about Gideon being the least of the least. And and, and he did amazing things with 300 men. And then they talked about uh, Barak. And and, and there was a small army of 10,000 that Barak wasn't going to go to battle without Deborah. Are you with me? And they were able to defeat Jabin. And Jabin had, I think, over 300 chariots. Maybe it was 900 iron chariots that they were able to defeat. He goes on and he talks a little bit about, about Japheth. And, then, and he talks a little bit about David and Samuel. And we know that David was a great warrior king. And we know that Samuel was a peace king. And he says, verse 33, or, uh, by faith conquered kingdoms, performed acts of righteousness, obtained promises, shut the mouths of the lions, lions, quenched the power of the fire, escaped the edge of the sword from weakness, and were made strong, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Come on, somebody. He, all of this is done by faith. And if we're going to have a memorial day and remember our fallen soldiers from the different wars in the United States or America was involved in, then let's look at the real faith of these men and women of God who have overcome some things in the Bible. When you look at it and you realize that that they've done so many different things by faith. Everybody say, by faith. Verse 35, women received back their dead by resurrection and others were tortured, not accepting their release so that they might obtain a better resurrection. And verse 36, it says others experienced, listen, mockings and scourging and yes, chains and imprisonment. And I'm going to have you put up these scriptures, Mike, if you will, verses 37. I want you guys just to read along with me, if you can see it on the screen, verses 37 through 40. Let's read this together. Verse 37, ready? Read. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were tempted. They were put to death with the sword. They went about in sheepskins, in goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, ill-treated, 
men of whom the world was not worthy, wandering in deserts and mountains and caves and holes in the ground. Look at verse 39. And all of these, say it with me, and all of these, having gained approval through their faith, did not receive what was promised. Why? They were after something that was promised. And all of this they did by faith, and they didn't even get to receive the promise. That'd be like Lon trying to build a house and then that for you and your family and then not going to live in it <laughs> after you get done. It's like they, that's the promise that they had, and, and they looked at that promise. Let's look at verse 40. Because it goes on, and he says, because God had proved something better for us. Think about that a moment. God had approved or proved something better for us that apart from us, they would not be made perfect. In the last few weeks, I've been talking about being stronger together. There's a biblical example of their stronger together. Come on, somebody. Because by faith, we look at these fallen heroes in the word of God by faith. And there was a promise that they saw. And maybe there's a promise that God has given you. Come on. Maybe there's a promise that you know in your heart of hearts. And you know in your heart, deep within your spirit, that you know that there's a promise that God has given you. I'm here to tell you today that that promise is still there. Don't give up on that promise. There have been fallen heroes in the past that have looked at that promise and haven't been able to walk in that promise, but it wasn't for them to walk in. It was for us to walk into. And because we walk into it, we help make them perfect. Come on, let's give the Lord a mighty hand clap of praise. Somebody say hallelujah. So when I got fired up and I began to start thinking about this and I thought, what about the New Testament heroes that were gone? What about the disciples, apostles, the, the ones that were martyred for, for the faith? They, were, they, 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 they said, there's a promise that's there. I want to see that. Are you, I want to be able to see that promise in my life. And I thought about Peter and, and James and John and some of the things that they did and that they gave up and they walked out. And I thought about Paul, the writing of the, the 13 epistles, the letters, the books that we read about so much that Paul wrote. I thought about Andrew. I mean, sometimes I think about the little guys, the ones that nobody thinks about. You know what I mean? Everybody can talk about Paul and we can talk about Peter, James, and John. But what about Andrew? Andrew was Peter's little brother. I don't know if you I'm a little brother. I have an older brother. And, and, and he brought Peter to Jesus, Andrew did. And he was one of the first of Jesus' disciples. Andrew was. And a lot of times we don't think about Andrew. What about Philip? I thought about Philip and Jesus had called him. When he called him, he came. He called Philip and Philip was an evangelist. We know of Philip being an evangelist. He was famous for his meeting with the Ethiopian that was in the carriage that, that he went by and then actually baptized him. And here's the cool thing about when we think about Philip, um, that he was translated. He was translated to Atoza and it was 26 miles down the road, Vernon. 26 miles. He, he baptized the Ethiopian. He comes up out of the water, and he's like, hey, boom, he's gone. Where did he go to? 26 miles, he's down the road. Now, that would be kind of the equivalent of what? 
um, I'd say in Visay maybe is 20 miles, maybe Camargo's 26 miles. That'd be like Pastor Jerry being here in Woodward, and then all of a sudden, boom, he's over there in Camargo down there with the, at the farm. So when we think about Philip and had Philip was fallen, and, and I think about Stephen, what about Stephen? Do you know that he was one of the, the seven first appointed to be able to help the distribution of the food within the church? Come on, unit itself. And the Bible says that he was full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. These were the fallen heroes that we have. Not only was he one of the first martyrs, but he was, as far as I know, the only one that was able to look into the heavens and see Jesus standing. Everybody else see Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. But when, when, when he looked into the heavens, when Stephen looked into the heavens, he could see Jesus standing up. And I wonder, I just wonder, did Jesus kind of stand up and say, come on, Stephen, come on. These are these fallen heroes that we talk about in the New Testament. What about Matthias? He was chosen to replace Judas. <gasps> Matthias was the one that was chosen to replace Judas. He was one of the three that were qualified. Remember, they came down and they shortened the list down to three different people. And it was Matthias that the one that they ended up choosing. He was one of the 70 disciples when Jesus sent out. Not only his 12, but he sent out the 70 after that. How about John the Baptist? John the Baptist gave his head on a platter. Right? And when we think about these fallen people, but there's a, I can look at the Old Testament and I can look just like you have at the New Testament, but there's one fallen person that was only fallen for a while. And when I think about that, there's a lot of people that have affected our lives. And I'm, I'm a, I love Paul's writings. I study Paul's writings. But there was one, and his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. And when I start thinking about that, he, you know, the, the children's ministry years ago, they were doing the Jesus, the superhero. You know what I mean? It was like he was, he was the superhero because they talked about all those other heroes from, from what, the comic strip things. But then when you got Jesus, he's the superhero. He's the hero of all heroes. Whether you're a sinner, whether you're a son, there is one, and his name is Jesus, and he's going to infect your life one way or another. Can I get an amen? His name is Jesus. So let's quickly go to Hebrews chapter 12. We looked through Hebrews 11. We saw all the Old Testament saints, and we saw those and some of the things they went through. But let's look at Hebrews 12. I just want to read verses 1 through 3. And then we're probably going to let you guys go home. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Remember in chapter 11? See the word in chapter 12 here, the first word, therefore? What you have to do is you, we've been taught that you I teach you that you need to figure out what's next because what is therefore, therefore? So you go back and you read chapter 11, which we did. And we saw all those heroes of faith in the Old Testament and all those things that they went through and all the things they went through seeing the promise but never walking in it it's like seeing the door but never going through it 
It's like seeing the cake and baking it and putting some frosting on it, never having a bit of it. Come on, don't do that to me now. I'm, gonna, I'm like, I want to, if you promise me cake for my birthday, I want to have cake for my birthday, and I want to eat the cake for my birthday. I just don't want to look at it and say, oh, nice cake, wonderful cake, like the frosting. I'm not. I, boom. Let me have a piece of that. Let me cut it out. Let me pass it. I'd have frosting all over myself. Terry, I'd have frosting all over. So he says, therefore, he says, since we have such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us. Let us lay aside. In other words, let us lay down those things, those every encumbrance, anything that's tripping you up, that's entangling you. He says, let us lay down those encumbrances that tangle us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. That's what these, the Old Testament saints were looking at that promise and that race that was before them. And he says, let us lay those things down. How do you lay it down, Debbie? How do you put down the hurt and the pain of the past relationships or marriages that have failed or sons or daughters that have gone home to be with the Lord, that their life was shortened or situations in their life that things just aren't right or the guilt or the shame of the past? How do you begin to lay that stuff down? By fixing our eyes upon Jesus. By fixing your eyes, how do I get over drugs? How do I get over alcohol? How do I get over addictions or bondages or pornography or bitterness or, or, or ugliness in my life? How do I get over that? I can't don't do it by fixing your eyes upon me. I'm here to tell you, don't do it by fixing your eyes on your neighbor. Don't do it by fixing your eyes on somebody else. But you fix your eyes upon Jesus. Hallelujah. He goes in in verse 2 and he says, fixing our eyes upon Jesus. Fixing our eyes upon Jesus. Look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. No, look at Robbie. No, no, no. Look at Jesus. No, look at Linda. No, no, no. Look at Debbie. No, no, no. Look at, no, no. No, you got to fix your eyes upon Jesus. Think about this. Think about this real quick. What did Peter have to have his eyes fixed on when he stepped out of the boat? He fixed his eyes upon Jesus and was able to walk on water. What happened is the winds picked up and he took his eyes off Jesus and he started to sink. You've got to keep your eyes upon Jesus, Lon. Joe, you've got to keep your eyes upon Jesus. He's the author and the, the perfecter of our faith. Uh, my other version that I memorized it was the King James Version, the author and finisher of our faith. For who set before me the joy, and he, and he, him, endured on the cross, and he despising shame, he sat down at the right hand of the Father. It's like, this is done. Go up in here, baby, and just sit down at the right hand of Daddy. That's finished we got to fix our eyes upon Jesus. We've got to consider him who has endured hostility by sinners against himself. Are you with me? So that you will not grow weary. We're weary, y'all. I'm telling you, this coronavirus is trying to wear people out and lose heart. 
But I got news for you. It's going to be people of the world that are going to get worn out and lose heart. It's not going to be people of faith. Come on. It's not going to be people of the promise. Come on, somebody. That we're going to begin to, we're going to begin to rise up. We're going to rise up. You may be weary, but I'm here to tell you, get ready. Get some rest today because tomorrow things are going to shift in your life. Tomorrow things are going to change in your life. Tomorrow you might say, you know what? I'm, I'm oppressed, depressed, suppressed, all the press you can get pressed. But I'm in the olive press. And out of the olive press comes the first pressing. And that's the pure virgin olive oil. Ooh, hallelujah. I know y'all aren't catching this, but in the spirit, there's that oil. There's an anointing that this anointing is pure that comes from. And Jesus himself had endured all those things that we've endured. And you yourself, you can say the same thing. I've endured all those things. It's been tough. It's been hard. It's been difficult. But guess what? Now we're going to begin to turn the corner. Come on, somebody. We're beginning to turn the corner. And he said, goes on, and the scripture says, despising the shame, he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary and do what? Lose heart. The world is losing heart. And that's what the world does. But I don't want them to lose heart. Do you know why? The world doesn't have their eyes fixed on Jesus. They got it fixed on Dr. So-and-so. Oh, come on, somebody. We got our eyes fixed on Dr. So-and-so. And I'm all for the doctors. God gives the wisdom and the knowledge for the doctors to cut, sow, and diagnose. But the healing power comes from an almighty God. Woo! I just hit something in the spirit on that one. And make my, make my liver shiver, Bryce. Make my, make my heart quiver. It's, yeah, I felt something there. I want you guys to stand up because sometimes we're, we're reaching a place where we're losing heart. And you know others around you that are losing heart. Who in your circle, who in your sphere, who in your family, who that maybe is not even here, that you feel like could have begun to lose heart today, and they don't know what to do, and they don't know what to say. As they begin to ask and reach out, We've got to give them the things of God. We've got to hand them the hope. And you're the one that's got to do it. You are now hopium distributors. <laughs> you're hope dealer. <laughs> Glennis, you're dealing in some hopium. You know what I mean? It's just you just you just are that. You're just dealing in some hopium. Amen. Yeah, it's a play on words, but y'all y'all got it. Psst, I got something for you. I got some hope, man. Psst, I got some hope. His name is Jesus. Let's keep our eyes on Jesus. What's going on in your life today that maybe you could say, I've taken my eyes off Jesus. As I close in prayer, I want us to begin to look back to Jesus. Because some of us can get caught up looking at something else. 
When my wife walks into a room, I can get caught up looking at my wife. <gasps> I love my wife. She's beautiful. And when she walks into a room, I'm sorry if I'm having a conversation with you, but she's going to take my eyes and it's like, <gasps> this is my wife. Be still, my heart, as she walks into the room. But I need to keep my eyes focused on Jesus. Maybe, maybe there's some things that you could say. I think I've got not only glancing somewhere at something else, but I got caught looking at it. Or you got caught in the wrong place. You know, David, the Bible says that there was a time when David saw Bathsheba. First of all, he was in the wrong place because the scripture says it was a time when kings were to be at war. So he was supposed to be on the battlefield and he wasn't where he should have been, but he didn't just glance, he began to look. And maybe we've looked at some things and are looking at something and we've gotten our eyes off Jesus. Maybe it's a health issue in your body that you're looking so much towards that health issue that you that disease or virus or germ or whatever it might be that you get so caught up in looking at that and we need to look at Jesus we need to look at Jesus maybe it's a situation in your life that maybe maybe God's not provided yet or the provision hasn't come yet that you get so caught up on where the provision comes from and we quit looking to God for that provision are you with me we do that we all do that it's a lot of human nature I want us to focus back on Jesus. Philippians 2, verses 10 and 11 says that every knee shall bow, those in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. That those knees, we need to, we need to bow our knees to Jesus and those other things we say they need to bow their knees to Jesus whether it's provision, protection whatever that is in your life just put your hand on your heart this morning let me pray with you I think this is a holy moment sometimes we get our eyes focused on other things and God I'm just asking for forgiveness for putting my eyes focused on people or a person or a situation or maybe the circumstance that I just get so caught up in and I take my eyes off of you. And Father, we thank you that as we honor our fallen heroes of the United States, but we also honor our fallen heroes in the Bible. Those Old Testament wonderful saints that were looking to the promise but haven't been able to walk into that promise because we're not there yet. But now you've come on the scene and you're bringing with you the kingdom of heaven. And all of a sudden those promises are yes and amen. And we can begin to step into those promises right now. God, forgive us where we've looked to the wrong place or the wrong person or the wrong ideas or the wrong thought or whatever it is that we've done and we've taken our eyes off of you. Father, help us just focus on Jesus. Let us keep our eyes fixed upon Jesus 
He's the author and the finisher of our faith. My faith is nothing without Jesus. We go from faith to faith to faith, and we declare that we look again upon Jesus. I'm encouraging you, church, to look again upon Jesus. I'm encouraging you, church, that's online, to look again upon Jesus, to begin to start getting your focus back on Jesus. Don't look to the virus because it's not it. Don't look to the president because he's not it. Yeah, look to Jesus because that's where our help comes from. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. We are seated to him. You don't have to look far to look at Jesus. You just got to look over because you're seated with him. You just got to look over, look in front or look behind you because there he is and he's right there. Let's just begin to look to Jesus. So, Father, today we say forgive us. Just ask the Lord just to forgive you for those things that maybe you were looking towards. Maybe for finances, you're looking towards an employer or, or you're looking towards a stimulus check or whatever you're looking towards. I'm telling you, God's got a way, and he's going to begin to release that way. Just begin to step in that and walk in that. God, you make a way where there seems to be no way as we focus on you. Father, forgive us. Just ask for forgiveness where you've, and throughout this week, just ask for forgiveness. There's situations that are going to come up that, that the enemy is going to bring towards you, and you're going to go, whoops, whoops, I forgot to ask for forgiveness on that one. Let me do that. Boom. We know that you're forgiven. He forgives you even before you ask, but there's just something in you that will shift when you say, God, forgive me for that. And all of a sudden, purification takes place. And God deals with you. And he releases his goodness and grace upon your lives. So, Father, forgive us, and we receive that forgiveness in Jesus' name.